we've had a busy morning, and so get your notes ready, get your version app open if that's your method of preference to follow along, and we are about to zip through and look at the um, Forerunners Part 3. We started a series that's kind of launching and looking at this, at this concept in, um, that is presented in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So go ahead and get your notes open. We'll start with our kickoff statement that the faith of those who have gone before us shows us what it means to know God better and trust him more. That they've showed us. The reason we didn't take this, this biggest chunk of the Bible and, and throw it away, this, this old part of it, you know, and just live in the, and live in the epistles and, and not look at any of this other stuff because they knew God in their moment and they trusted God and they lived by faith in their moment and they operated there in a, in a faith relationship with God and Hebrews points it out and the hall of faith is filled in our new part of this Bible, the new covenant part, is filled with stories pointing us back to these guys who interact, interacted with God in a place of faith in a little bit different than us. So we've got to look through the lens of the cross. We look back through that and we're able to see how we can, on this side of the cross, live a life of faith in God. And of course, we've already looked at Abraham and we've looked at Noah. And today we're going to look at Abraham's daughter-in-law. Her name is Rebecca. And we're going to look at her. But first, we're going to talk about, let's read Hebrews 12.1. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. If you're trying to run a race, you don't want anything around your feet. It entangles you. It slows you down. It trips you up. It'll stall you. It'll, it'll hurt you. It still is a destructive thing. Christ has set us free from, that, from sin, and we are, we are heaven ready in Christ. But sinful choices will still slow you down. It will mess you up. They will hurt you in your race if you don't allow them to be removed and cast off. And this great cloud of witnesses can tell us how to live a life free of that. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. We've had this mental imagery of maybe the stadium, okay? And you're out running your race. You're doing the long one. And you're running multiple laps there on the track. And they're hollering at you. And they're yelling. And they're cheering you on. And pretty much all you can hear is, you just all this. And then one or two of these guys jumps out of the stands, comes and runs a lap with you. And they're giving you some little advice. They've already run their race. These are the pre-gold pre medal winners, okay? And they're giving you some advice. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're harnessing some of that advice. And we're isolating what they would tell us as we are running our race. I just, uh, we just got back from a little trip to hang out with uh, some of my family that have not been able to get together in a while, a little mini family reunion. And, of course, you get a bunch of folks together, and they do one of my favorite things. They begin to tell stories. And, and my kids would periodically come, and there, there was lots of stories. So it went on for a good period of time, and my kids weren't going to stay there for three or four hours. But they'd come and, and sit and, and, and enjoy some of it and then move along and do something else. And, and uh, Carson comes along, and he sits down, and my dad and his brothers were raised by a super sportsman who 
hunted everything that he could hunt and fished everything he could fish and won titles and trophies and all sorts of different things. And they're telling all of the, the stories of my grandfather and all of his trips. And, and man, Carson is sitting here and just listening and enjoying the stories of the big catches and all the fish they would catch in one sitting and the, and the big trophy deer that they would get. And, and I look over at Carson at one point and he tells me, Dad, you know what I want to do? I what? I want to go do it. That's it. That's the whole point of these stories. They ought to get us wound up and ready to go do the stuff. God has called us to an active, faith-filled, go after him with everything we've got life. And as we look back at these different things, as we look back at Noah and Abraham and today Rebecca, when it's all said and done, we shouldn't go, hmm, that was sweet. I'm so glad they did that. It was a neat story. It ought to get us wound up like man i want to go do the stuff as we hear what this crowd of witnesses talks about how they interacted with god and today we're going to look at a subject matter that honestly if you're new to this whole church thing and you're kind of here you've been brought here as a guest or whatnot you're going to go "Oop! i knew it i knew it i knew it this is all churches talk about and it's just not well honestly when you look at the bible and you look at love you look at a lot of different topics Man, this one's honestly covered more than any other single topic. And the thing is, is this, this key phrase that is, we're about to jump into and we're about to look at. I honestly think that all of these great cloud of witnesses would immediately go, yep, yep, what she's saying. Absolutely. You need to be able to live your life this way. So let's just go ahead and let's look at what would Rebecca would say. <clears throat> so for, <clears throat> for those when we're in this moment, for when we are in, are in a place that we are asked for help. God has left us on this planet. We don't say yes to Jesus and get beamed up for a reason. We are his expression of him. We are the body of Christ. We're his expression on this planet. So that means we're supposed to kind of do some cool God stuff. He wants to show up in us and do some cool God stuff through us. And so as we're living that out, people should look to us and begin to look to us for answers and help. And when people look to us for help, I think that Rebecca and everyone would echo it, would tell us, give generously to others. See, we don't have a whole lot about Rebecca, but we do have one amazing encounter that she does something that is absolutely, absolutely amazing. All right, somebody's going to have to go talk to them. And uh, this is part of the joy of being in somebody else's building. And, uh, but let's just go ahead, and I want us to look at Genesis 24. And we're going to get, if you're not familiar with the story of Rebecca, Genesis 24, verse 12 says, Then he prayed, this is Abraham's servant. Okay, let me give you a little backstory. Is Remember we talked about Abraham and that he had prayed and desired a son. And God decided him this son when he's really old and he had just about, when everyone had given up hope and said there's no way, Abraham had held onto it in his heart. Sarah had honestly kind of given up hope and laughed when she was told. Well, that son came. When he's told, Abraham's told, you're going to have a bunch of kids. They looked up at the stars. Well, I just got the one. So that one's going to have to have some Clark going and have a bunch of kids. That one is going to have to have some children. There was a problem with Isaac. Isaac was single. 
And his parents were looking to get him a wife so that they could be able to carry this on. But they needed a wife that would be a part of the promise, that would understand that there was something bigger at play. And Abraham gets his servant. I know this creeps us out in this day and age, the whole concept of arranged marriage. It creeps us out, but that was the standard back then. So they go, and they're headed out to go, and they get Elia, they get the chief servant, and send him out with an assignment to go back to Abraham's relatives, not of the people of Canaan or these other pagan peoples, but go back to his regular household and find a wife for his son. So he's made this journey. He's got this big responsibility to go and pick the wife for this guy. And we pick up with him there. It says, And then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today. And show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let let down your jar that I may have a drink. She says, drink and I'll water your camels too. All right, at this point, The servant, when he left, he left ready to do business. He left loaded with his camel and nine camel loads of gifts to be able to present to the father and say as a gratitude for his daughter saying yes to move away and go marry this guy. So he comes with all sorts of stuff loaded down. He's got these big beasts of burden. And he wants this lady when he simply says, can I have a drink of water? She's like, sure. And I'm going to water your animals too. Okay? This is, a, this is a big deal. And it says, and let her be the one whom you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I know that you have shown kindness to my master before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder. So here she goes. He doesn't even get it finished. She's not even have the amen, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, done. And here she comes out with a water jar on her shoulder. And she comes out, and he's like, all right, here comes a young lady. She's attractive, I think. She will work. Let me throw out my line here. And so after, so then he um, asked for a drink. She says, sure. And then we're going to pick up in verse 19. It says, after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. Let's just put a little pause right there, okay? Um, I know it's real sweet. You know, people sometimes will carry around a little extra bottle of water and see somebody out with a dog. And they're like, can I give your little doggy some water? And, Take a little pause and give the little water, doggy some water. Okay, these are camels, okay? These are 10 camels. I did a little research. All you school teachers, you're going to say that's worthless. But I looked at Wikipedia. I know, I know, I know. But I verified it with some other resources, so give me a break here. And, um, but anyways, uh, average camel in a, normal, in a normal sitting to drink water will drink 30 to 40 gallons of of water. A rather large camel, about 600 pound camel, can drink 50 plus gallons of water 
in one sitting. These things are some thirsty beasts, okay? For our little math we're about to do, we're going to dial this down, and we're going to say that his camels weren't that thirsty. They're not going to drink 30, 40, 50 gallons of water. We're going to say they're just kind of topping off, okay? And they're going to drink 20 gallons of water each. And that should be a, a light watering. Because she's, she's giving them until these camels quit. Till the camel says, in the desert, I'm good for now. So she does that. So she's got, let's say, 20 gallons, 20 gallons per camel. We can all do this math. This one's easy. It's times 10. I love that when I was in school. You just throw the zero on the back. And we got 200 gallons, 200 gallons of water okay, that she has to get from the spring and carry over, okay? Now, let's say that this lady's got some guns, all right? She's got the water power on her, on her shoulder, and that she's got a five-gallon jar to be able to get this done. Now, this, this jar, this skin, however it was, she, she says she has a jar, so it's a clay jar, so she has to dip this water and carry it. Well, of course, we know that water's eight pounds per gallon, so she's carrying... 40 pounds at a time, and as she goes to do this, she's taking five gallons at a time. We do a little bit of division. She's got to make 40 trips, 40 times. She says yes to this on the low side. If she is keeping her heart rate up, she's taking this little 40 pounds in this deal. She's turned it into CrossFit. And she's just, she's just killing it, man. She's burning the calories. She's checking her pulse. She's killing it. And she turns it into three minutes a trip. That is two hours of hauling water for some stranger's animals. This was not a little bitty tiny, oh, while you're sipping your beverage, I'm going to get your sweet little camels some water. When she said, I'm going to fill them up till they're done, she took extra hours, unscheduled, wasn't in her day, wasn't in her plan, and took hours, hours to go so above and beyond. Not just a little above and beyond, this crazy above and beyond. It says, so she quickly emptied her water, her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, drew enough for all of the camels without saying a word. The man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. He's going to see if she really does it. He's like, I prayed she's going to have to do it. He's just sitting there. He's watching her. He's sitting there sipping his and watching her kill herself. And she doesn't. This is like the worst Woman, make me a sandwich ever. The worst one ever recorded in history. And she doesn't make him a little sandwich. She makes him the biggest sandwich ever. And she goes and she gets this done and she does it with a cheerful heart. And says, and when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. And he puts those on there and immediately says, I want to talk to your dad. I want to talk to your dad. And she looks at that and says, yeah, let's go talk to daddy. (laughs) Sadly, not much has changed. (laughs) 
want somebody to get him a drink. That's what I meant. What are y'all doing to me here? I did not mean it, dear. I did not. I meant the drink part. I'll get you a sandwich, dear, today. So quickly, we just got a few minutes left before I hurt myself. Yes. Oh, there we go. Here we go. Says, uh, so we're going to look and just kind of take this concept of what we're going to call the Rebecca Principle. And the Rebecca Principle is you can't be generous and selfish at the same time. You cannot be generous and selfish at the same time. For her to be able to do this lavish thing, she was burning energy. She was getting, to her knowledge, was getting nothing out of this deal. It was just this sweet, amazing act of generosity that she did for this stranger, this complete stranger. See, 2 Corinthians brings us into this place of clarity in New Testament generosity. And any time you try to put something in there, that makes it about you, you're taking out the generosity piece. Does God want us to be blessed? Absolutely. But as soon as we turn in generosity into a way to get blessed, you've made it about you, and it's not generous anymore. It is an exchange. It is a medium. You turned it into, you, I'm doing this to get this. It's an exchange. It's not generous. We can dare to be generous because God gives more than anybody and he loves us more than anybody. So we can just follow the Holy Spirit and we can just be generous knowing he's not going to leave us hurt and high and dry in it. But we never turn it into something that it's about us. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves someone who doesn't have to do it and just wants to do it. That very next verse says, and this is why we're, this is what prompts us. In fact, I think when we look at, this, at the context and the syntax of this, of this sentence, let's read it all the way through. We go back to the previous verse. Each man should give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. As we just open our heart to generosity, it opens up. It just opens up so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will bound to every good work. The next concept that we're going to tuck away and, and walk away with this is you, can't, you cannot walk the second mile until you've walked the first. You've got to be willing to do the initial. You've got to be willing to do the initial. You know, And it wasn't even that she said, hey, Stranger man, I'd love to give you some water. Who knows what she was doing? He asked. He imposed himself. And man, and she just gave it and then went above and beyond. You can't go the second mile. In fact, if your employer ever talks about and says, hey, we want to go the second mile for our, um, for our customers and our people. Every time somebody talks about the second mile, they're quoting Jesus. Jesus is the one that says that if the, these Romans, these people compel you because they had the right to to carry their load for a mile, you take it too. See, Luke 16.10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. What's the very little? It's the first mile. It's wherever you're at. It's that first step. 
you can be generous on, a, on, a, on an initial place, then you are able to progress and to move forward. Next thing we see is that you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. I've heard it multiple preachers say multiple times that they've never seen a hearse attached to a U-Haul. Just never seen it happen. Although I have heard the story of this miserly old husband who was a pretty wealthy guy and just was just never generous with his wife or with anybody. And, and when it was all said and done, he, he, he'd, he'd come down with an illness and his days were ending. And he tells his wife and he calls her and says, Look, when I die, what I want you to do is liquidate all my assets. Get it into some sort of currency and put it in my coffin and bury it with me. That is my dying request of you. Will you do that for me? She says, honey, I'll do it. So sure enough, they have the funeral. They show up. Miserly man don't have that many people there. And have the deal. Right before they shut the coffin, widow gets up and has this box. And she walks up and takes this box and sticks it in there and says, okay, you can shut it. And her friend leans over and says, uh, I'm so amazed that you were willing to do what your husband asked. Did, did, did you really? Did you really put all of his money in there with him? She said, I absolutely did. I wrote him a check. <laughs> I love how it filters. It's caught, then it catches. And it, that's fun. <gasps> Matthew six nineteen says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for <clears throat> ourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. We can make an eternal difference here and now. We can make a difference in someone else's life, in someone else's eternity, and it's marked in heaven as we are willing to live a generous life here. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And now as we wind up, I want to just look at some final words. I think if she, before she was going to part and leave and go back into the stands, I think that she would tell us that even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. You have no idea what a smile, what a little extra patience, what a kind word in someone's needful moment can do. May I tell you what? We can go through life and just with the smallest things be making huge impacts all around us with just little acts of kindness, little acts of generosity. In fact, Jesus shores this up in Matthew 10, 42. It says, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, cup of water. I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. I think she would also remind us that when you give, the impact of your generosity outlives you. See, when Rebecca did that and she embraced and was willing to go and and be this bride to this man she had never met, ends up a great, great love story in, in the Old Testament and Isaac just loved her and cherished her deeply. And whenever we look at this, when we begin to look at the lineage and we 
look at the lineage of our Christ, our Savior. We backtrack it, 37 generations, and 37 great, 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 greats all the way back, grandmother is Rebecca. And she stepped into that lineage by willing to give some water and go the extra mile. It outlives you. John 4.38 says, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, and others have done the hard work, and that you have reaped the benefits of their labor. You know what? Celebration Church is a newish church in this community. Just been here six and a half years, and I love seeing the stories and hearing it and seeing y'all's lives, but we know the truth. That for a long, long time, there have been a lot of people living and preaching and sowing into this community and sowing into your lives before you ever showed up, pouring into people's lives, making a difference in this community, praying for revival and life change in San Angelo, Texas. And guess what? We're living this out as a ministry. We're living this out. We're reaping that we're part of this process. You are part of this process. There will be these different things that it goes before what you're doing today. Someone else is going to get the benefit of. Today we get the benefit of those that went before us. And then the last thing is, is when you give, you give to the Lord. Matthew 25, 40 says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. This comes whenever he tells them, you visited me in prison, you took care of me when I was sick, you fed me when I was hungry, clothed me when I was naked, and they're like, we didn't do that. We never did that for you. He says, hmm, when you did it for the least, you're covering me. See, the truth is, is God is so amazingly for us. He is so behind us. The weight of heaven and the fullness of what Christ has done is there to take care of, uh, of our lives and propel us forward. There is so much provision and power, just this reservoir of it. All we have to do is dare to step forward and to live for him. God is so for us. Let's run this race with <clears throat> perseverance. This race that's marked out for us. That's what this life is about. We're still here. We haven't been beamed up because God has an assignment for you. And that assignment is going to require you living a life outside yourself. It's going to require you living a generous life. Generous, yes, with your resources, but generous with your time, generous with your tongue, generous on so many different levels. What we want to do at this moment, at this moment, we want to create a quiet moment for those that who've been on the outside looking in and have thought, man, I, this whole time I've thought this whole 